Nation. Time for the uh, Global uh, Threat Report, uh, sponsored by Global Threat Solutions, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The 100% military veteran-owned security and investigations firm Global Headquarters are right here on Long Island in Suffolk County with offices in the city, Miami, L.A., overseas, uh, in Frankfurt, and Mumbai. The Global Threat Solutions CEO, the Captain Ken Bombay, with over 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience, serving as military intelligence officer, uh, in the Middle East, uh, check it out, the, the website, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, the company just provides so many extensive services. Check it out for peace of mind and uncertain times, globalthreatsolutions.com, the aforementioned Captain uh, Kim Bombay. Sir, a very good morning to you. lot happening uh, that uh, transpired over the weekend. We'll get into that. A little bit of a ground situation uh, has taken place over in the last week, I guess, clearing the path for a full, a full scale uh, ground incursion uh, that is just uh, imminent on hold, and uh, we'll get into that. And uh, the number of hostages, Americans, two freed hostages. You and I uh, uh, spoke Friday uh, via text on that. Two Americans released, two individuals from Chicago. Great news there. What does it all mean? I'll tell you, there is a lot to digest, my friend, on this Monday morning. Welcome. Yep, morning, Jay. That's exactly right. There's a lot of developments that emerged over the weekend concerning uh, Israel's war with Hamas. Um, First, as as always, Israel's continued striking Hamas targets in Gaza over the weekend, and uh, they've also asked again for civilians to relocate, especially from areas in the north. Israel has arrested... Over the weekend, 64 terrorists in Gaza, specific, even 37 just last night. And since October 7th, Jay, they've arrested 500 Hamas terrorists. So this is kind of this preparation in the battlefield we're seeing where they've been using, uh, you know, precision munitions to target Hamas sites in Gaza. And they're also going in and physically arresting these uh, Hamas terrorists, which has been pretty effective. And now, as you, I'm sure you've heard, the number of hostages is growing. They're now saying there's 222 hostages right now. Um, and that's become a real sticking point because the U.S. and some other allies are trying to get Israel to hold off on their ground offensive while they try to negotiate the release of these hostages. And although it's great we did have those two hostages released, when you have 222 hostages, you know, Israel doesn't want to get bogged down and delay their ground offensive while they sit and negotiate with the, the entity they're trying to destroy. And you, the U.S., although they're pressuring them and allies are pressuring them, Israel has made it very clear they're not going to delay their ground offensive. Right now they're just still preparing to move in and, and start conducting ground operations. So, you know, we saw this happen since the 7th. Initially everybody was 100% behind Israel. And the atrocities that occurred, uh, you know, definitely justified them moving in, but things have waned. And now you see, you know, I think there's there's those out there, elements out there. They want to see Israel right now just kind of stand by and be the bigger person and not move in at all. And I think that's unrealistic. Yeah, no doubt about it. And there are various reports where uh, maybe the U.S. has, uh, has stated to Israel, uh, to Benjamin Netanyahu and company saying, you know what, can we hold off a little bit? We've got hostages uh, and everything else. Meanwhile, you've had the news this morning was uh, that there has a bit uh, has been a, a bit of an incursion there, I guess clearing the path uh, for a full-scale 
uh, ground invasion uh, into Gaza. I know there was a backpack, a booby, a trap backpack cap uh, that was discovered there. This is the type of checks that uh, are in play at this uh, point in time. Um, and what about the aspect of uh, the United States and allies uh, maybe kind trying to persuade Israel to hold off a bit here regarding uh, all that's going on? You know, 222 or 223, I guess the latest number of Hasha, 223 it is, 10 being Americans there. 320 targets have been hit uh, over there in the last couple of days. Meanwhile, you got Hezbollah now. Uh, that's all ramping up as far as the north, as you mentioned. Uh, the uh, State Department is asking uh, people to evacuate, Americans evacuate that Lebanon region. So uh, there's a lot going on on, on on both sides of the spectrum there. Uh, in your estimation, if you were leading the charge here as far as an Israeli uh, ground incursion. Uh, what would you say to the various reports, uh, not necessarily a ceasefire, but I'm talking a little bit of a delay here as far as the ground is concerned? So I, w- I know Israel has uh, people feel they've delayed. Listen, this just happened October 7th, and they're preparing to move in. I would not delay for the reasons of outside, you know, the U.S. and and other allies telling them to delay. And one of the reasons that's happening, Jay, is because the U.S. is getting pressure, pressure from even the the Democratic Party, some in the Democratic Party, giving them pressure because they don't want Israel moving in. And they they feel that this has created this uh, humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Well, Hamas created this humanitarian crisis in Gaza, not Israel. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as it becomes, if the delay becomes a detriment to our offensive operation in Gaza, then we got to move in. I would not do it because the U.S. or anyone else tells us to. And I wouldn't do it because they say there's a humanitarian crisis there. Just over the weekend, they started moving in uh, supplies over the, the Rafah crossing from Egypt into Palestine. It's the best that they can do. They had 34 trucks going in. The U.N.'s demanding that they get more because they have to do security checks, Jay. They have to make sure they're not bringing weapons into that and to supply Hamas. And if I'm Israel, the only reason I'm delaying is because it benefits my offensive operations. That is it, not because anyone else, and not even the U.S., puts pressure on us to do so. They had atrocities like we've never seen committed against them. They have These people believe they shouldn't exist. You know, they were cutting babies out of women. I would not delay one day because someone else tells me to, only if it made tactical sense. What about the the fact that this ground situation has been on hold for about two weeks now? Talk to me a little bit about the adrenaline factor. You know, the 300,000 or so reservists in play here, many, many called... Uh, into the line of duty. What about that aspect from a mindset? Um, what are the uh, the IDF forces uh, feeling at this point in time? We've they've had the prime minister there, Benjamin Netanyahu, other high high end officials as well, kind of giving pep talks and everything else. If you're a soldier and you've been ready to go for the last couple of weeks, still on hold in full, what are you feeling right now? And that from you know just the uh, just an internal standpoint here. 
Yeah, if you're one of those soldiers, you want to move in. And it's there, you could get fatigued from this, this, this constant waiting. Like you're saying, the adrenaline dump you're getting from just sitting there every day not knowing. Or it, I mean, I think it's impossible for this not to remind people of uh, Normandy, the days leading up to that and how it kept getting delayed. And we had all those troops just sitting around and waiting. You know, hurry up and wait. That's the famous saying in the U.S. Army. It, it's, it can be exhausting, but they have to, again, they – this is a massive operation they're about to conduct. They called in over 300,000 reserve forces. These people need to be dusted off and given a little training, Jay, and some equipment. They need to be prepared. You don't want to go in prematurely if it's going to impact operations negatively. I just wouldn't delay because other countries feel you should, because that, I think, is unrealistic. And I think Israel's, um, I think the decision, this delay they have had, it's a strategic or a tactical one and not one um, based on political pressure right now. And that's the way that it should be. But you're right. Every day these troops wait. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of stress. But I think it's all for the better because they're preparing the battlefield. It could save lives what they're doing right now. That extra training, the extra equipment, planning going in, the intelligence collection and dissemination among the troops so they know what they're up against in there. This is going to be brutal. There's going to be, all, like you just said, it's going to be an insurgency. And every day they wait, you know, there's, there's going to be all sorts of IEDs, improvised explosive devices, and they have this tunnel system to contend with. So the only reason they're delaying is for planning purposes and preparation of their troops, and I think that's what has done. They'll be moving in soon. So I want to cap uh, Captain uh, Ken Bombay's. Uh, cap, what about... Uh... The two hostages uh, that were released on uh, Friday, a lot of euphoria, and rightfully so, uh, but you use a word before called tactic, tactical, in a sense, as far as this uh, terrorist group uh, is concerned. Why? Uh, why did uh, two uh, Americans, why were they released uh, on Friday, and what kind of message does it send? Give me a sense there. So I think, you know, they took these hostages for a reason, Jay. They took them to delay the ground offensive. They took it as a negotiation. They took them as shields so that we, so that Israel does not move in to Gaza. And if you think how painstaking, it's great. Everyone's so happy these two are released. There's 222 more. We can't sit here and every few weeks there's two hostages released and expect them to hold off on moving in an offensive. Does it complicate things? Does it put people potentially at risk by moving in? Yes. But in war, there's tough decisions have to be made, unfortunately. Now, I know we have special operations forces over there working with Israel. We're, they're working on the, the intelligence to try and determine where these hostages are, to launch special operations to go in there and rescue these people, which are very risky operations, but that's what's going to have to happen. Um, I, I don't see any other way around it. I think they're going to have to launch they're offensive, and if necessary, the U.S. and Qatar can continue to try and negotiate with Hamas to release people. And in the meantime, Israel needs to move in. And if they could get hostages released or rescue them by force, great. That's part of this operation. But I don't think you could they, – they would love it. Hamas would love it. Iran would love it if we just sat here indefinitely negotiating for a terrorist at a time. That's simply not realistic. Captain with us, uh, talking about the global threat uh, report. Uh, as far as uh, what is happening right now in the Middle East, um, humanitarian efforts, Cap, um, the situation at hand, I guess they have allowed some of those efforts uh, to come uh, into play. 
uh, supplies and food and uh, people uh, in that region. Is that fully underway at this point? It is. They have the Rafa crossing from Egypt into Palestine. It's now open, going into Gaza. And uh, they've had, I believe, 34 trucks uh, over the weekend. Again, things get slightly delayed because they have to do security checks. And they're going to try and get as much humanitarian aid in there as possible. But it has to be done. You you can't um, waive security measures to try and get supplies in there quicker. And there's there was there are those, Jay, that are going to continue to uh, pressure Israel and blame them for not getting enough in there. Again, it has to be remembered that Hamas created this crisis, not Israel. Israel is defending itself right now, and they have to take out. They have to take precautions when letting the. I don't think they have any issues with letting supplies in there as long as it's safe and going to the right people. And that's all, that's hard to do. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of Iran, uh, Cap, and I'm thinking of the sanctions. And I'm thinking of the lapse of there is uh, currently going on there in reading about this uh, over the weekend. You know, these 84 Iranian entities and individuals tied uh, to Tehran's nuclear missile programs freed uh, from the U.N. uh, sanctions list. Uh, I can't for the life of me understand how the president of the United States, still with an open border, is absolutely insane during this period in time, in which individuals from the Middle East have already been apprehended over there in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Number one. Number two is why can't we completely put the tourniquet as far as these sanctions are concerned? And I'm talking about the exporting of the oil where Iran gets a lot of their cash and funding these groups like Hamas, like Hezbollah, I don't understand why we're allowing this to happen at this point. What is the reasoning? It's, nobody knows, um, other than maybe President Biden and his staff. I, I think the fact that we've talked about this so much that we don't have the exact same, if not stronger, sanctions against Iran that we have against Russia, it does not make sense to me. These are people that you know, chant in their parliament, uh, death to America. These are people that have been our enemy for decades and decades. Um, They were responsible for so many Americans being killed through their proxy groups all over the Middle East. Um, And I don't understand why we've we should not be buying. First of all, forget the sanctions. The U.S. should not be buying one barrel of oil from Iran, not one. We have our own oil. We don't need theirs. And to support them in any way is ridiculous. To negotiate with them the way that we have is ridiculous. We have to be you know, it's one thing we have a problem with under this administration we have to we have to label our enemies as just that enemies and take proper precautions. And Jay, I'll tell you, you look right now at the potential for escalation. You had Benjamin Netanyahu say that if Hamas, if Hezbollah gets involved in this, it's going to be the mistake of their life, and they're going to destroy them. And they said it'll have devastating consequences for the Lebanese state. Then after that, the Israeli uh, Minister of Economy says that uh, furthermore, it won't just be Hezbollah. They'll go after the head of the snake, which is Iran. You could see this escalating so very quickly right now. And everything, the cause for this entire crisis right now is Iran. But yet we don't treat them as such. And that needs to change. 
If you were to look right now, and I know we've said this so many times, but if somebody, if anybody looks at this from the outside, and it, it appears within the last two and a half, three years, the world is on fire, Jay. There's no way to say it any other way. You had Afghanistan, which launched all of this. This is why that this is the repercussions of weak U.S. foreign policy. We had Afghanistan, which the world was watching, and it was embarrassing, and we got chased out of there by the Taliban. Then you had Russia move into Ukraine. China openly threatening the U.S. and to move into Taiwan. Iran, every, I don't even have to explain about Iran, the constant um, threats from them, and much more aggressively than they've previously done. North Korea, and then North Korea meeting with Russia, even BRICS, that, that alliance, which is a threat to the U.S., and now we have Hamas and Israel. The world is literally on fire right now. How could anyone, foreign policy speaking, how could anyone look at this administration and see they're doing well? They're, this is a disaster right now, and this, like I said, we may see this escalate very quickly. And let's not forget, you know, you and I have spoken it's hardly ever brought up anymore. The military equipment that was abandoned in Afghanistan during that botched withdrawal. The $80 billion, give a take, of equipment, the tanks, the helicopters, that was left there. And if you remember clearly the video, it was like Mardi Gras there with the Taliban and company parading around. In our equipment, in our military equipment. I mean, that is something that is emblazoned, I'll tell you that much. Don't forget that. Let me ask you one final situation, Cap. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that these hostages right now are in Gaza, in that region? Or do you believe that they have been moved, maybe Hamas, is ready uh, for some sort of a a situation involving the special forces involved there, a scenario maybe to ambush those individuals. Give me a sense right now as far as the hostages. I'd say they have them. You know, this happens so very fast. I'd I'd say that they're in Gaza in strategic locations, that they're using them as shields, and they're going to try and negotiate with them. Unfortunately, Jay, when this offensive moves in, we're going to, there's going to be scenarios where they hit buildings, Israel targets buildings, or gets into firefights or operations against Hamas, and, t- and hostages are going to die. That's going to happen. I don't think there's any way around it. But I would say most of them are right there. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, Jay, w- one thing we haven't even talked about really is that so many of the decisions right now that are being made by President Biden as, as this unfolds in front of us have to be political decisions. I mean, there's no way around it. He's in the middle of an election right now and what I, I heard i read a report that was interesting to me where they said that can this now sway the vote of jews in america uh to republican because of the lack of support they're getting from some on the left i mean and this is this is one thing that all jews are aligned behind right now and i i wonder if that's going to be a factor in this election going forward yeah uh, there is a lot of uh, back and forth. Uh, you look at our college campuses. You look at the people sounding off. You look at a lot of the misinformation out there. Uh, I've spoken to young people uh, in the last couple of days. I was at an event on uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, it's troubling. It's troubling to me that individuals uh, 
have a way of thinking without really knowing the facts or the history as far as uh, what has occurred over the Middle East over over decades, over the last decades and decades uh, of time. And it's troubling. It really is. Uh, Lots happening. I know you'll be on top of it, my friend, and uh, we shall speak a little bit later on. Can't thank you enough, though. Thanks, Jay. I look forward to it.